I love to see get people get baptized. Let's give the Lord another big hand this morning. Amen. He's worthy of our praise. Get your Bibles open, if you would, to the book of James in the New Testament. And I want to talk to you about something the Lord's put on my heart this morning. And uh, how many of you have ever seen, by chance, um, there was a movie that came out maybe six or seven years ago uh, that had Queen Latifah in it, and she, was, uh, she hit her head, and then she went to, to her hot hotel or department store she was working for, and it's like a Christmas movie. And she went to this department store she was working for and got a CAT scan. And the, 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 the news came back that she had several brain tumors. And uh, when she found that out, she had all these things in her book of things she wanted to do, all these possibilities of things she wanted to do in her life. And then she realized she only had a short time to live. And then she, she said, man, I got I to gotta do something with my life. And she went all the way to the Czech Republic to this nice lodge and spent the highest money on all the hotels and all the food and bought herself nice dresses, jumped off a dam on a parachute and did all kinds of crazy stuff she'd have never done on a normal day because she knew she was going to die. Amen. Then she found out the movie, the twist of the movie was she found out that it wasn't her CAT scan and she wasn't going to die. Amen. But I, wanna, I want you to, if you're taking notes this morning, I want to I ask you a question. What would you do if you were told you had one month to live? What would you do if you were told you had one month to live? I want you to think about that this morning. And I want to share some scriptures with you in the Bible. You know, people have what they call a bucket list. How many have ever heard of a bucket list? Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be with somebody getting bad news that their life's going to end short. But people say, you know what, I've got a bucket list. These are some things that I want to do before I die. These are some things, maybe it's a vacation place, maybe it's uh, just certain things that you want to do. And, and people make this list and they say, man, that's on my bucket list. And sometimes if they get the chance to do it, they scratch it off the list and they say, okay, I've done that. And then there's a bunch of other things. And every human being, super spiritual or not super spiritual at all, could say they've got some kind of a bucket list. Even if you haven't written down it, on the paper and said bucket list, we all have things we want to do. We all have things we desire to do. We all have things that we haven't done that we've seen other people do and we'd like to do them. How many would agree with me so far? Amen. Amen. So I started to begin to think, you know, if I, if I had a bucket list, well, if I had been given the news, doctor told me you've got one month to live. First and foremost, how many know that would shake you to your core? Amen. That would shake you to realize, wow, you know, you, you, life is short. We know that. And there's people that get that news all the time. All the time people are getting that news. Uh, people, I mean, we, ha- we live in a cancer-filled day like we've never lived in before. And people are getting bad news all the time. And people do get that news. And, and they have to decide, what would I do now that I've been given a day or a, a death sentence of a time that I've got to, I'm going to go. You know, they say you've got a brain tumor, you've got some kind of stomach cancer or whatever, and this is how much time we don't give you more than four to six weeks to live. And you'd be saying, man, what am I going to do with my life now that I only have this amount of time? How many know that's something to think about today? Amen. What would you do? I want you to put yourself in those shoes. What would you do? And so I thought, man, what if I had a bucket list I, and you all could tell me what yours is, but I've got the microphone. Amen. And by the way, who's, who's, who's uh, getting sick and tired of the bipolar weather? Anybody? 
I think that that must be how God feels, amen, with us sometimes as Christians. We're hot one day and we're cold another. I mean, Wednesday night we had the heater on in here. And today we have the AC on and everybody's going like this. So anyways, I just had to throw that in. I'm tired of the bipolar weather. Make up your mind. But if I made my own bucket list, I'm just going to share with you a little bit what I would put on mine, what I, some things that I would like to do. I, of course, and I'm not saying this just to say this, I, of course, would put first and foremost, and this isn't spiritual at this moment, okay, I would say I'm, I would want to spend as much time with my family as I could. I think most of us in here would say that. That would be first on our list. We would want to spend time with our immediate family. I would want to spend time with my wife and kids. I would want to spend time with my family, and I want to be with them knowing that every day, every day was counting down that day to where I wasn't going to be here anymore, and I'd want to spend quality time, quality time with them. Amen? And then if I started going into a little bit more selfish, I would definitely, most definitely, me personally, I, if whether I had the money or not, I'd find a way to rent a Rolls Royce for one week. I've always thought that was the, just the coolest car since I was a kid. Of course, they've gotten nicer looking since, since I was a kid. And, but I would rent a Rolls Royce, and I would want to drive it myself. I wouldn't want anybody to be the chauffeur. And I'd get in that car, and I would drive to Los Angeles, and I would see an L.A. Lakers game in L.A. At, 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 the, at the Staples Center. I'm a big Lakers fan. Okay? And then I'd get in the car and I'd drive around the country a little bit. And I'd go up to Chicago. And, of course, this might not work really in a hypothetical real way because of timing. But I'm just throwing out my bucket list. I'd drive up to Chicago and I'd see a Cubs game at Wrigley Field. That's something I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. And then... After that, I started thinking, what else would I do if I, if I was about to die? I would, I would go skydiving. That's me. I've always wanted to skydive, but I can guarantee you there's one thing I've always known as well, that once I got up in that plane, there'd have to be a plan for somebody to push me out the plane. That's no doubt. About it. I, I want to go, but they'd have to push me out because if they let me do it on my own, it wouldn't happen. And then... I would go to Las Vegas. Now y'all thinking I'm going to go gamble, huh? No, I would go to Las Vegas and eat some of the buffets that they have in Las Vegas. I've heard about some amazing, amazing buffets in Las Vegas. And I like to eat. Because those are just a few things that I might throw out. You would have all kinds of things that you would throw out. And, 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 but here's the thing I want you to think about. We really could seriously have that kind of a, a sentence because we don't know how long we're going to be on this earth. We're not given the promise of tomorrow. And I, if there's anything we need to do as believers is, is live every single day like it's our last. Amen? And live it to the fullest and do the very best we can. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day brings. Amen? And, but I, what I really want to focus on tonight, this morning is I, I talked right there just about some personal, selfish, physical, enjoyment things that I would want to do. And if we're being real this morning, we would all think that way. But how many know that's our stinking thinking? Come on, be honest. We are selfish people. 
And then uh, today, of course, we're in church. So if we were not in church and we were maybe out at the mall and we were going around, that might be a good you know, conversation starter. Go up to someone at the mall and say, hey, what would you do if you were given a month to live? Tell, I'd like to know some of the things you'd do if you only had one month to live. And then just hear what they'd say. Be a good conversation starter. And if you were not in church like we were, it would most likely all be about money and things and places. Right? Is that true? But the thing is, is we are different this morning because we have been given the greatest gift that any person could ever have, and that is salvation. And so we can't be like a normal person. We, even if we want to be like a normal person, we can't. Even if we want to be carnal, we can't because we know too much. We've been given the truth this morning. And, and I want you to think about this this morning. Now, let's see what the Bible says about what we should do if we're given a short amount of time. Go to the book of James with me. I asked you that a few minutes ago. Chapter 4, and say amen if you're there. And I want to read some of the word of God this morning. And I want to show you what the Bible says in James. He says, verse 13, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow... We will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you do not know, and this would be a good thing to underline in your Bible, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. How many have realized that this morning? We really don't know. It, 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 it doesn't matter how much plans we make, and we know we're supposed to plan, and we're supposed to work, and we're supposed to do all these things, but we honestly don't know what tomorrow brings. I mean, you've got calamities happening all the time. How many, how many heard about the huge typhoon that just happened over in, in, in the Philippines? I mean, that was, they said it was the greatest storm, the most strongest wind and typhoon ever in the history, and they weren't expecting that. They, one, you know, they woke up one morning, and they were flooded you know you go back to 9-11 those people weren't expecting that that morning life changed immediately people get in car accidents people have all kinds of things that happen to them in their life that they're not expecting and we need to know where am I at in my daily walk with God and how am I living my life if I were to be given a sentence of a short time to live or what if this morning church we weren't even given four to six weeks what if tomorrow was the day that it was appointed for me to, to pass into eternity? I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm just telling you it's a reality. None of us have any promise, the Bible says, of tomorrow. But how many know that we many days wake up and, and waste a day, so to speak? We don't think about those things. We don't say to our husbands or our wives or our family or our friends or anything, we, hey, I love you. Make sure you know that and give them a hug and tell, you know, be, treat people nice, treat people good. We can get caught up in life. We can get caught up in busyness. We can get caught up in, in our things and our problems and, and we can forget that we're not promised that we're ever going to see somebody again. Amen. And he says, so you don't know what will happen tomorrow. Let's continue reading. Watch this. He says, for what is your life but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? Before we read 15, the other day I took my, some clothes over to the cleaners across the street and to, to get them 
clean some suits and I was talking to the lady there. I had seen her several times before and we've been cordial to each other and I told her about the church and she knows that I come to this church. I don't know if she knows I'm the pastor or not and we've talked and I've given her Jesus card and the other day I went in there and I began to share with her my faith and talk to her and end up being about 45 minutes I was talking to her about the Lord and I, I was getting her to understand that there is no promise of tomorrow and I said what, what are you doing with your life? Are you, have you ever thought about the fact that to the Tomorrow you could not be here. And, and we began to talk and, and I began to ask her, do you believe in God? And she says, I don't really know if I believe in God or not. And I said, oh, so you're one of the, you're one of the people that thinks that once we die, the lights go out. And she said, yeah, I think it's possible. And I said, you know what? And just for her sake, I said, you could be right. The lights could just go out. And we'd all just die and it'd be dark and it'd be over and we'd never know the difference. But I said, what if you're wrong? And I said, what are you doing to plan your life? You know, what are you doing for, for thinking about eternity? And here's the point I want to make on that. Do you realize that, we're guilty of this as Christians as well, but do you realize that the world spends every day, all day, all week, all month, and all year thinking about retirement and when they're going to be older and what they're going to do when they get older and what they're going to do next month and what they're going to do next year and don't spend any time at all thinking about where they'll spend eternity? Think about that. That's a, that is a sobering thought because we as busy people spend lots of time about here on this earth and very little time about eternity. And how many realize that this life is super short? Even if you live a life like my grandmother who's 91 or my wife's grandparents that lived to be into the hundreds. That's a long life on this earth. In our eyes. But the Bible says it's just a vapor. In God's eyes, life is just a vapor. And we should stop sometimes, church, and think, what am I doing with my life? Honestly, what am I doing? You know, I asked last Sunday morning, I said, do you really believe? And I'm trying to preach some messages to you to get you to think. To use your brain. Amen? And not just sit there and, and, and just believe everything everybody tells you and not really think for yourself. It's funny because the world says, remember that on the evolution versus God? Well, I've just learned to think for myself. Well, let's think intelligently though. Amen? And common sense tells us we're all going to die. There, we can't escape that. They say in the United States two things for sure. You're going to pay your taxes and you're going to die. Those are two things you can count, count on. Amen? And so we ought to think a little bit about where I'm going to spend eternity. So he says, what is your life? James says, it's even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Look at verse 15. Instead, now I've learned in my life to really listen to God. And when he talks, I listen. Forget E.F. Hutton. Instead, he says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this. Or do that. And when I was in Costa Rica, they had a saying, and I, and I used to hear it all the time. It's very famous. And they somehow, some way, whether it was in the Catholic church or the Christian church or tradition or whatever, a lot of people in Costa Rica have this saying down that says, Si Dios quiere. If God wills, basically, if God wants. And I, they used to say it all the time. It almost got on my nerves because it was, you know, too repetitive all the time. But they at least understood the idea that it's only going to happen if God wills. 
How many realize that? Do you realize right now, I want you to do something with me. I want you to really get this this morning. I want everybody to stop for a second, and I want you to take a big, deep breath. Just take a big inhale. Just inhale real big. That's good for you, by the way. Just Some of y'all ain't doing it. Your chest should be up here. And then just let it out. Doesn't that feel good? Do you realize that the next time you do that is a gift? You realize the next, you can say, I'm going to breathe again. And God can say, no, you're not. That was the last one. Amen? It's a vapor. It's like this. One moment you're here, one moment you're not. And he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. Let's finish. Verse 16. But now, watch this. You boast in your arrogance. Now, I'm not saying anybody's arrogant here. Don't get mad at me. I'm reading the scriptures. But we are arrogant people in general, amen, Christian or not. We're prideful, we're selfish because we have the sin nature in us. And he says, now you boast in your arrogance. And he says, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is a sin. So if anybody ever ever wonder what the definition of sin is, there it is. To know what's right and not do it. So we as selfish people, if we were given a, a sentence today of, hey, you got four weeks to live, three weeks, two, six, whatever, we would immediately begin to think as carnal people, we would probably think first. We would probably think, oh my gosh, first, first of all, I'm going to die. That would be the first, we would really begin to understand this. Did I just really hear what I just thought I heard? The news. Amen. And there's not a person in here this morning that couldn't hear that news and wouldn't have their heart stop for a second. There's not a person in here that would say, oh, good. That's good news. Thank you, doctor. I've, I've been wanting to check out. Nobody would do that. We would all be, uh, we, would be, we, would be we wouldn't even know how to think. We wouldn't even know what to do. We would be like, what? And as we begin to think in our minds, how many know about a thousand things would begin to go through our minds? And then we'd have to sit, stop, and say, okay, now, this is a reality. This isn't the last holiday. I'm not Queen Latifah. This movie isn't going to end. It's, it's real. This is life. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What have I done? That's another sobering thought. What have I done with my life so far? And well, the good news is, is, that's past, could be bad or good, and it's over, and now you've got to think forward. And I want to say this this morning, that's what I began to think about. I began to think, what's really important? What's really, really important? And if, if you were given those, that news, you would need to write down on a piece of paper, you need to begin to think to yourself, what's important? What, what's really going to matter? How many are following me so far? What's really going to matter in the next four weeks? Come on, follow me. What's really going to matter? And you would, what you'd begin to find out, and I'm going to get into this for a minute, what you'd begin to find out is some of the things that you think are really important right now would be very unimportant. And some of the things that you think are very unimportant right now would all of a sudden be magnified into importance in a second. But how many know that we should be wise and smart and listen to the Holy Spirit and say, God, I don't want to get that kind of news to try to have to wake up. 
God, let me, let me understand that this is a fact that I'm not promised tomorrow. I've been given a life. There's an old saying, and it's very true. You've, you're given one coin, spend it wisely. Your life is like a coin. You only get it once, spend it wisely. You know, you can, you can uh, people can believe in reincarnation all they want, but I'll give you one verse to tell you that's not true. It is appointed unto man once to die. Then comes judgment. We don't get to do it over again. We don't get to come back as some animal or some other person or whatever. We can believe that and think that all we want, but it's not biblical. God says, I give you one life, one chance, and whatever you do with it, you're going to be held accountable for that for eternity. That ought, to, that ought to get us to what James says where he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. So I would think, God, what's really important? And I want to give you three things this morning that to me would be really important. And this is just me. You can take them or leave them or you can go with it and agree with me or disagree. That's fine. But I want to show you what the Lord showed me would be real, three really important things if I got the news today that I was going to be given four weeks to live. Number one, first and foremost, numero uno, am I right with God? Am I right with God? How many know it would be foolish to do anything else, to go to 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, 20, bucket list, anything else, without stopping and saying, God, am I right with you? Ever heard anybody say, you're ready to meet your maker? I said that to a crazy guy on the road the other day. He was driving crazy, and I said, you ready to meet your maker? I don't know if he heard me or not, but I just felt like saying it, because he was heading that direction. Amen. Am I right with God? Let me give you a scripture on that. And this is sum it up really good. Number uh, Hebrews 12, 14. Don't look at it for time. Just write it down and I'll read it for you. It's real simple and short. It says, pursue peace with all people. And he says, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Amen. Pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Leviticus and Exodus and Deuteronomy, all in different verses, all say that we should be holy as God is holy. So do you know what the word holy means? It means consecrated. It means set apart. As a person here this morning, church, you should be in your mind saying, God, I want to consecrate myself to you. The first thing you would begin to do if you were wise would not be, well, how can I postpone the four weeks to five? Or how can I, how can I be in less pain? Or Those would all be good things to think about. But the first thing you should think about is, God, am I good with you? Let's have a talk, Lord. How am I with you? How is our relationship? Amen. What, what am I doing in my life or what kind of things are in my life that I need to get rid of? Is there, is there any hidden attitudes? Is there any unforgiveness? Is there anything in my life that I need to get rid of that I need to change? God, let's have a talk. And the first thing I'd want to do is I'd want to say, God, am I right with you? How many would agree that would be wise? Isn't that why we come to church? Make sure we're right. That's why God said, hey, don't forsake this assembly together. Come to church. Be in this place. Hear the word of God. Get around other brothers and sisters so that you can constantly be thinking about, am I right with God? Am I in good standing with God? Am I walking the way he wants me to walk? How many want to walk the way God wants you to walk this morning? Now, the number two one that I would do, and this leads in from number one, and the verse I just read, is I would want to make sure that I'm right with my brothers and sisters. 
Not, not, not family, brothers and sisters, people. I should have said that. Let me just throw that out and make it more general. I would want to make sure that if I had anything against somebody or if somebody had something against me, I would want to try my best to make it right. Amen? How many know the worst thing that can happen is that somebody has to lie at your funeral? Amen. Don't make the preacher lie at your funeral. Let your funeral be a time where everybody is missing you and no one's glad you're gone. Can you say amen? Or woe is me. Amen. Do what you can to make it right. Now listen, I learned something from my pastor a long time ago, and you can write this down. It's important. You will have to learn in life to deal with and understand you, there will be some unresolved conflict. There's going to be some things you can't fix. But this comes back to the heart. And this comes back to you saying, God, have I done everything in my place, in my position, in my power to be right with the other people around me? And that's what he's saying in Hebrews 12. He's saying, pursue peace. Try to be peaceable. Now listen, being peaceable with somebody is not being best friends with somebody. You don't have to hang out or be friends or be buddy-buddy with someone to be peaceable with them. It means that you do your part so that contention would not be there. That there'd be no anger, that there'd be no strife, that there'd be no words that had been said that had not been fixed. And the reason I say that is because Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Bring your gift to the altar. Sorry, if you bring your gift to the altar. And there, remember that your brother has something against you. He says, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way and first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Oh, y'all got quiet on me on that one. See, but that's our selfish, arrogant, prideful, carnal self. Nope. Next number, pastor, move on. I'm just telling you what I do. Can't make anybody like me, can't make anybody love me, but I'm a, I would do my best to go around and say, hey, if I've done anything to you, I ask you to forgive me. I forgive you for what you did to me. If there's any, hey, I, that's all you can do. But I would want to know that I was going to die at peace with people to the best of my ability. Some people would go cause more strife. <laughs> okay, man. Some people would like, where's the nest I can mess up, amen? Where's some bees I can make fly around? I'm not talking to anybody in here at all. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Say love. Say it again. Is that hard to say? Nobody in here again. I know people that cannot say those words. I love you. Now, some people would tell you, oh, you, you tell everybody you love them. Well, I do love people. And I don't tell everybody I love them. But I don't have a problem saying I love you. Some people do. Maybe even to your own spouse. Amen. Remember the old saying, I told you, honey, when we got married, I loved you. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. Some of y'all ain't heard I love you since you got married. <laughs> Amen. 
Love one another. Jesus says, hey, let me sum up the Ten Commandments for you. You can't get those ten right. It's kind of hard. I know I had a really high standard. Let me sum them up. Love one another. Love your brother. Love each other. And, and then we know the golden rule. He says, treat others as you'd have them treat you. Can you stop right there for a second and just be real? Do, you, do we treat people like we want to be treated? Do we talk to people like we want to be talked to? Do we talk about people like we want to be talked about? Oh, let me just turn around and talk to the fan for a second. They ain't listening to me. I wish someone would have just at least said amen. Come on, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just being real. Amen, we need to remember these things. What if you were given that sentence? What if you were given a time to be short? Hey, I'm not promised tomorrow. Where's my life at? How am I living? Amen, this is good preaching. By this, he says. See, Jesus didn't say by how many verses you know, they would know that you're my disciples. He didn't say by how many songs you've memorized. He didn't say by how many times you go to church. He didn't say any of that stuff. He said, and of course, all those things, tithing, praying, going to church, all those things are godly things and he expects those. But he didn't say any of those. He said, by this you'll know that you're, they'll know you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Amen. That you have love for one another. Now, before I finish on the third point, I've got to nail this down. Some people don't want to love. You just don't want to. You just don't. You, you, you say, I can't. Well, God, I don't see anywhere in here that Jesus says, if you feel like loving one another, if you like loving one another, and I definitely don't see in here that it says, if the other person is lovable, right. love them. Right. Y'all reading the same verse as I am? Now, again, I understand there's unresolved conflict. I understand there's some people you're not going to get along with. But, man, you let me tell you something. I can only speak for myself. I do not want to go there. I do not want to be in a place where God would hold that against me. And I didn't listen to his commands. And I'm going to try to stand before God and say, well, God, you don't understand what they did to me. And you don't understand that I just couldn't stand being around them. And you just don't understand. You think God's going to have any of that? Nope. Because the God that's expecting us to live this way was the God who stood on a cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen. And forgave us as they were crucifying him. Amen. So unless you've been crucified here by somebody physically, I don't think that you have a right to not say, I forgive you. Amen. Amen. Let it go. Don't miss out on Eternal life, don't miss out on God. Don't miss out on the promises of God and the plan of God because you're mad at somebody. Because someone said something about you. You need to learn to do this. Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go right over your shoulder and let it go. I know some people have, I've got to stay here for a second. Some people have an issue with this. Man, I, got, I know people that they remember every single word of every single conversation that everybody's ever said to them. They've got it in a book. 
Listen, I'm not that way. If you've done me wrong, I'll forgive you. I'm going to forget and I'm going to treat you the next day like you never did anything to me. And I mean that. Why? Because I want my heart to be pure before God. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to hold on to it and miss out on God because of that. He didn't give us that choice. So if you're saying, man, I can't love God. I want to love. You need to get on your knees. And you need to say, God, help me love like you love. Amen? Amen. Help me love like you love. Help me love the unlovable. And then if you try to love on them and they don't have it, don't stab them in the back after. Let them go. Can someone say amen? amen. You try, you love on that person and they ain't having it. And see, that's why I wasn't trying in the first place. No, God, watch this. God, you saw that. Did you hear what I said? God, you saw that. I tried. And I'm not going to hold it. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to grab onto it. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. And if you've got an issue with somebody, if somebody's got an issue with you, why don't you do what the Bible says? Why don't you go up to that person? Why don't you go talk to that person? Pull them aside. Say, man, you looked at me weird. It really bothers me. Man, you, I, I, I hate you because you looked at me like that. Can we go outside and fight real quick? Just kidding. Just kidding. That's what guys would do. Guys would just go beat the crud out of each other and then come back in and watch TV. Put ice on their faces. I won't go with, with the girls. We know that's a different story. <laughs> love, love, love. Come on, girls, let it go. <laughs> my dad's told me a story of his mom. My grandma, she was mad at somebody for how long? 50 years? 30, 40? I mean, hold on to it for a while. <laughs> what good does that do? Love that person. Go talk to that person. Say, hey. I, don't like, I didn't like the way you looked at me. It really bothered me. You know, what's, you know what you're going to find out 90% of the time? When did I look at I, I wasn't even looking at you. I was looking at the person behind you that was waving to me. and they, Whatever, you know. You realize how many times we could be wrong? We thought someone looked at us and they were looking at their husband or their wife. Amen. Behind you. Giving them the bad look. Amen. And they worked that out later at home. And then you go on for three weeks that someone looked at you weird and never was even looking at you. I promise you. But how will you find that out if you don't go talk to them? Did you look at me some way? Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Or if they don't, hey, it bothered me. I just want to let you know. But I forgive you. And if they say, well, I'm going to do it again, then you just let it go. At least you talked about it. Does anybody, is anybody following me? Love one another. Work it out. How many, how many could be honest, as I close this morning, how many could be honest that this, this stuff kind of sounds funny, but if you had a, a, a four-week death sentence, then you knew you were going to die a certain day, I guarantee you, you'd be thinking different. You would. So we should be thinking that way. Because the Bible tells us right here, we're not even promised four weeks. We're not promised Wednesday to come back to church. We're not promised tonight. 
We're not promised another hour. Life is like a vapor. Number three. And you can say, oh, he's spiritual. We can say whatever you want. This is, this is the truth. I would tell as many people about Jesus as I could. Now, I wouldn't say that before I got saved. I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor and it sounds good. You tell me, you tell me this, t- this morning what's more important than that. If anybody can think of one thing more important than telling others about Jesus, if you're about to check out, you tell me what it is, and I'd love to hear it. Because I can't think of anything. Because the Bible tells us that when we breathe our last breath, we're not going to have a U-Haul behind our, our, our hearse. We can't take anything with us. The only thing you can take with you is your name. Your name is the only thing you can take with you. And connected to your name, listen to this, connected to your name is how you treat people. Come on. Connected to your name is how you treat people. I'm not going to stay here too long because we might get in trouble and we'll have to have a really strong, long altar call. But if you just think about that for a second, if you hear somebody's name, something comes into your mind about them. One way or the other, real quick. Oh, man, that, that's a good dude. Oh, man, she's a good, good lady. Man, she's, you know, or... Mm. <laughs> Nobody in here would think that way about anybody else. I'm just saying, amen? Just think about it. Your name is connected to that. What you do and how you treat people is connected to your name. Now watch this. Now the man whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. And Jesus sent sent him away saying, go to your house. He got delivered from demons. And tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed through the whole city the great things that Jesus had done for him. I got to ask you a question. Has Jesus done anything for you this morning? Has Jesus done great things for you? See, the problem is we go sometimes, well, I didn't get a raise like Jeff and I don't have a new car and I don't have a house. And there's this thing. And we start thinking of all these physical, carnal, ridiculous, non-important things. When we are the most blessed people in the universe because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We are blessed. Amen. We are blessed. Let me end with this. Or for another one is he who wins souls is wise. Proverbs 11.30. Go to Luke 12 real quick and I'm, I'll, I'll read this. Verse 13. Then one from the crowd said, teacher, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. But he said, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said, take heed, this is Luke 12, and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable and said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully and he thought within himself, what shall I do with all this stuff shall I, that I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater ones. And there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease and eat and drink and be merry. 
Watch this. But God said, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then those who, sorry, then whose will those things be which you have provided. Here we are, 30, 40, 50, I don't know how many years later, just, just an example popped in my head, after the death of Elvis. That dude was filthy rich. Filthy rich. And he has a big old house and nice cars and all the kinds of things he left behind. Michael Jackson's another one that comes to mind. All kinds of money, properties, estates, things, things, stuff, things that don't mean a hill of beans because they're not here anymore. And who's dividing them? The people are fighting over who owns it and whose it is and all these things. And God says, I could care less about Graceland. I could care less about Neverland. Where's your soul at? Is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Savior? Are you saved? That's what's going to matter. So he, so is he, the Bible says, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's not just money. And musicians, you can come. That's, just, that's not just money. That's a spirit of generosity. That's a spirit that says, God, I'm not going to worry so much about next year, five years down the road, because the Bible tells me those things are going to take care of themselves. Now, I'm not saying you sit at home and don't work. I'm not saying you don't do anything. But I'm saying, where is your treasure? Where is your heart? I'm going I'm to read one last verse. And don't close me off just because they're coming up here. Please think about this. There, there's a, I was telling somebody about this this week. It, it is amazing to me how easily we're fooled as people. And how easily we will find somebody or something that will tell us what we want to hear. And when we find it, we go, yeah, I can follow that right there. That sounds good. And a lot of times we've got people preaching the gospel and using the Bible and using the verses for their gain. For their gain. I've been preaching for several months about the return of Christ and the rapture Jesus coming back for his saints and that God's going to take us out so we don't have to go through the tribulation that's going to come upon this world can you say amen and I was I got home Thursday night from from uh, our little end times forum we had here at the church and I was flipping channels in the Christian channels area and I don't do that very much and I happened to fall on Jim Baker Jim Baker's channels. Anybody remember the name Jim Baker? There'll be a few in here that have been saved for a long time. He was around the same time as Jimmy Swaggart. It was another big one. But he fell and, got, and get, gave his life back to the Lord and, and, and repented. He had an affair. But Jim Baker was a thief. He stole lots and lots and lots of money from Christians on TV had some kind of resort that they sold timeshares to and he robbed a lot of people and went to prison for it well he got out and when he got out I thought man I think he's really repented because I believe anybody can change 
and it seemed like he was on the right track. He was at a church of a, of a very well-respected person that I know and believe in his ministry. And, and he, he seemed like he was on the right path. And all of a sudden, he wasn't going to that church anymore. And he went off and did his own thing. And then all of a sudden, he's on TV. And he is using the tribulation for profit. Because he's telling people, we're going to go through the tribulation. And you're going to need food. And you're going to need clothes and you're going to need survival kit and you're going to need all this stuff and people are paying lots of money and he's making millions of dollars off the tribulation and I think how in the world can people be so dumb well Paul Platt said it a whole bunch of times sheep are dumb amen and the, the, the 11th commandment is thou shalt not be stupid amen don't, they don't talk about any scriptures but they're using the fear of the tribulation for money. And they're saying, you're going to have to have food, and you're going to have to have all these things. And I began to search the scriptures. Church, you need to start basing your beliefs off the word of God. Not based off of any person. Not even me. Look at the word of God and see what the Bible says. I don't see anywhere because I was watching it for a second and it was almost like the devil was punching me in my face saying, you're preaching it. You know, because they were saying, man, these people are going to come into the church after the after the trap tribulation starts and they're going to shake their fists at the pastors and say, why didn't you tell us we were going to go through the tribulation? That's what they were saying. I felt, man, this is attack personally on me right now because of what I believe and what I'm preaching and what the scriptures say. And I felt it. I felt that. You know, like, I was, like they're shaking their fists at me. And I thought, why aren't y'all using any scriptures for what you're saying? No scriptures whatsoever. And, and they kept on talking. And I thought, man, think about that. Think about this for a second, how, how God gave us some common sense. If the tribulation begins to happen, and it happens like the Bible says it's going to happen, and I believe everything in the Bible, and it happens like he says it's going to happen. You tell me what good it's going to do, when so, how much food you have in your house, when you can't afford to live in your house, and how much good that food's going to do you when they come and take you to jail and put you in a concentration camp. What good's the food going to do for you? And I don't see anything in the Bible, watch this, nothing. I started thinking, where is there a scripture that says I'm supposed to store up food? Where is there a scripture that says I'm supposed to store up things? Matter of fact, I just read a verse that said the exact opposite. Don't make more barns. Don't make more things. He says, you fool, your soul could be required of you tonight. Why are you, why are you stacking all this stuff up? Matter of fact, he said in his word, doesn't the sparrow, don't the lilies of the field have what they need? Don't the animals, aren't they taken care of? He says, don't, don't waste one hour thinking about what you need. He says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. We need to know how to use the scriptures, church. We need to understand the word of God. Whether we go before the rap tribulation or after, I believe before, God's going to take care of us. But we need to have our hearts right. We need to have our spirits right. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. But, sorry, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal. Listen, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves can't break in and steal. And he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be 
also. Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Praise God.